Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the rolling, rolling, rolling edition. As the Bengals make it seven wins in their last nine games by beating the Titans in Nashville 20 to 16. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know the latest Bengals punter from a Cincinnati-area high school, former LaSalle Lancer and Ohio State Buckeye, Drew Chrisman. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds, designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since powerful hotel showers. Our home in Cincinnati was built in the 1920s, and the water pressure isn't great, especially in the upstairs bathroom. As a result, when I'm on the road and the shower in my hotel room has a powerful spray, it's a real treat. And the team hotel in Nashville was the perfect example. Remember the Seinfeld episode where Kramer bought a black market shower head that was used to wash off elephants at the zoo? Well, that's what I experienced in Tennessee. And that's probably more than you ever wanted to know about my shower habits. Now, let's get to the radio replays from Sunday's win at Nissan Stadium. It'll be a 47-yard field goal attempt from the left hash for Evan McPherson. Four for four in the playoffs on this field, including the 52-yarder at the gun that sent the Bengals to the AFC Championship game. Chrisman catches, places the ball down. The kick has the distance, and it is good. Money Mac hits from 47, and that ties the game at three. Play action fake by Tannehill, sets up a screen. Henry catches, runs to the 30, 35-40, 45-50, middle of the field at the 40, the 30, the 20, cutting between the hash marks at the 10. The ball is chopped out, and the Titans fall on top of it in the end zone. It's a touchdown for Tennessee. Traylon Burks, trailing the play, fell on the fumble for the touchdown. Unbelievable play. Another horrible drive start as the Bengals begin from their own eight. Burrow looks to pass. Short pass caught by Pirine, running to the 20. Outside the numerals, 30. Uses a stiff arm at the 35 and goes out of bounds at the 40. 32 yards on the short pass to Samaje Pirine. Burrow takes the snap, hands it off to Pirine, follows blockers to the right, and he will run into the end zone. Standing up for the Bengals' touchdown. Nice. I'll tell you what. I mean, he, I don't think they got a hand on him. I mean, he would have scored in touch football. This will be a 35-yard try from the left hash. The snap, the placement, and the right-footed kick. It is... No good. Wide right. He pushed it badly. So Shedak misses with four seconds left in the half. The Bengals trying to take the lead for the first time today. 2.41 left in the third. The snap, the placement, the right-footed kick. A high spinning end over end kick. It is good. And the Bengals have taken the lead with 2.35 left in the third. 
On third and long, Burrow catches the shotgun snap. His throw toward the sideline, back shoulder throw. Trenton Irwin makes an amazing catch as he's sliding to the ground. (laughs) An incredible grab for a first down at the 27-yard line. That is impressive. Joe surveys the defense. Two deep safeties for Tennessee. Joe catches the shotgun snap. Fakes to Pirine. Floats it toward the end zone. And Higgins, he's got it. Touchdown, Bengals. (laughs) As he used his height and his size and went up and over the cornerback in coverage for the touchdown. McCreary, he just just out-muscled them, Dan. You're right. Bigger body guy. It was like you, you call basketball games so well. He boxed them out. I mean, he got inside position. Boxed him out and said, I'm bigger. You're not going to get over the top of me. And he uh, he body positioned McCreary perfectly. Great throw by Burrow. Better catch by Higgins. Burrow catches a shotgun snap against the four-man rush. Got Fires him. deep downfield for Higgins. T. Higgins has the football. An amazing catch at the 11-yard line of Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. Equal opportunity abuse. Chrisman looks back at his kicker. Now twists his head, catches, puts it down. The kick is up, and money back hits Cincinnati. A seven-point lead with one minute and 53 seconds to go. There's a penalty penalty flag flag. down, and the Bengals are saying it's on Tennessee. Yeah, they may have illegally tried to uh, jump to block it. Might have jumped off a teammate. Number 97, defense, for a hit on a defenseless player. Half the distance to the goal. Automatic. Oh, First my Lord. That, Kevin Strong. That's not very strong. Whew. That was weak. Do you think it's safe to say the Bengals are victorious, Dan? Coffin nails, my man. Bam, bam, bam. Prior to the game, Zach Taylor sent two people to the 50-yard line for the opening coin toss. Joe Burrow, who beat the Titans in the playoffs last year, despite getting sacked nine times, and Tennessee native... T. Higgins. Burrow threw for 270 yards with one touchdown, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 91.0, and he was only sacked once. Higgins finished with seven catches for 114 yards after having 148 in last week's win at Pittsburgh. I talked to T. after the game. This had to be a special day for T. Higgins. You were out there for the coin toss as a Tennessee kid, and you ultimately made the game-winning touchdown uh, catch. Describe your afternoon. Man, I feel good. Um, obviously, you know, just coming off a W, any any W, I'm, I'm going to feel good. Um, but, you know, for me to come out, you know, in my home state, um, you know, being a uh, going out there for the coin toss, you know, for the first time in my NFL career, and then um, coming out and, you know, after you know a tough drop, that I had in the first half, you know, coming back out in the second half, making the big-time plays that I did. Um, it just shows that, you know, that, that we got a group of guys that don't give up. You know, we don't let one drop, you know, you know bring us down. We just got to keep going, you know, and make plays on down the road. Two-time Mr. Football in this state, yeah. finalist for Mr. Basketball in this state. Did you want to put on a show for your home state fans? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know I did. Uh, <laughs> man, it's just, you know, um, you know, I had a lot of family come in. Um, so, you know, just a lot of family and friends came to this game just to watch me play. And, you know, it was, you know, I obviously wanted to put on the show for my peoples. And um, a lot of people don't know, but I, my name is up twice in this stadium on the banner from winning uh, Mr. Football twice. So, hmm. All right, let's get to the game-winning touchdown catch. Trenton Irwin makes a great catch on the sideline to extend the drive on the very next play. After the replay, they put it up for you and count on you to make a play. 
yeah, um, um, you know, just like you said, we're going to start off with T.I. Um, outstanding catch, outstanding, you know, um, that's that's a hard catch to make. And then for him to, you know, stay in bounds with the catch and, you know, and, and complete it through the ground, uh, big time play by him. Um, and then, you know, on that very next play, you know, Joe said he's going to give me a shot. He's going to throw it up. And he expected me to make the play, and that's what I did. I think we saw the finalist for Mr. Basketball, actually, on that catch because it was a classic box out, oh, yeah. a smaller corner, and just dominate him physically. Definitely had to box him out. Um, you know, that was that was the, uh, the way he threw it up. Um, just give me a chance, and, you know, I had to use my basketball skills in that one. This win has to feel good. That's a tough physical team. They make you earn every inch, and you've managed to come in here twice in 10 months and beat them on their home field. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a tough, tough win. Um, but you know, um, we're gonna we still a lot. Of, we made a lot of mistakes still. Uh, we're gonna come back in. You know, go over the film, look it over. Uh, we got a tough matchup next week, and hope we can keep stacking these W's. Two straight great games, hundred yards plus. Congratulations. Appreciate it. That's T Higgins. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Defensively, the Bengals held NFL rushing leader Derrick Henry to a mere 38 yards on 17 carries. That's 2.2 yards per attempt. DJ Reader was literally right in the middle of that defensive performance. And I joined Jay Morrison of The Athletic in talking to DJ after the game. Really shut down the run the, the, the whole time. But when you're playing a guy like Derrick Henry, how much is it in the back of your mind that one play? You know, he can get going at any time. I mean, y'all saw it on the screen. He big or runaway train downhill, you know what I'm saying? So you just got to make sure that you limit him. You know, you try to do your best to frustrate him. You jaw back and forth a little bit, get a little frustration, settle in. So that's a part of my game. I don't know if everybody else talks as much as I do, but I do a lot of talking out there, so it's a good time. Everybody knows what Joe Burrow is, yeah. and he can put a team on his shoulders yeah. to carry him. Do you feel like this defense is now poised to has shown that you guys can carry yeah, We're going to do whatever, you know, they, they put whatever situation they put us in or wherever we got the ball, we're going to go out there and play ball. I think – we do a good job as a team, a whole overall team of playing off each other. If they're down, we're up. If we're down, they're picking us up. And when we get it rolling together, we had those blowout games. You know, those those that's just what happened. But we're completely confident in those guys and what they got going. And we play defense. That's our job. Play defense and special teams, and we just cheer the offense on no matter what's going on. Physicality, toughness, execution, all that. Where, where does this game rank since you've been here as far as the defense is performing? Uh, I think defense, this is one of our good, better games, playing as physical as we can play. Uh, not getting down on ourselves when they had a big play. Just coming back and fighting back for the next play, every play. You know, Just making sure, even on that, the, the screen with the touchdown, to have Cam chase down, punch that ball, get it out. Those are huge plays. It says a lot about your defense, how gritty they are, the guys you got in your room, what their makeup is. And, you know, I can go to war with those guys anytime. That type of group, I can go to war with them anytime. Derrick Henry carried 17 times. It felt like you guys knocked the line back yeah. probably on 13 or 14 of those 17. Was that the key? That's the job, man. That's what we, we talked about all week, you know, just making sure we set a new line of scrimmage and don't let them be the aggressors. We go out there and be aggressive today and get it done. That's a team that makes you earn every inch. Yeah, Braves yeah. gonna make you do that though as a coach. You know, I got so much love and respect for the guy. Um, when I came in the league, taking me as a young player and just teaching me how to do it the right way, teaching me how to be about ball, understand ball, what's going on, situational ball, all that. So um, I know that they're gonna take on the characteristics of their head coach, and he's gonna have those guys prepared. So they're gonna make you earn it. They're not just gonna go out there and, and just wash them down. Like they're gonna make you earn it every time because they got a lot of pride. And the coach has a lot of pride. And, a lot of good players over there, too. 
So to come here twice in 10 months against that team, that's got to be tremendously satisfying. Yeah, it feels good, man. You know, I played them all the time when I was in the other division in Houston. You know, I hear about the rug game all the time. I still haven't given up 100 to Derek yet in the league. So I'm just I'm excited for the challenge every time he comes in. You know, we got to play them. I know it's going to be a physical game, so I enjoy it. How many times do you think that's been against Derek? I don't know. I played him two times a year when I was in Houston. I think I didn't play twice. And then the two times here. No hundies. Not once since the national championship. He got me once in the national championship. That was it. Since then, I hadn't got one. Congrats on a great game. Thank you, baby. That's DJ Reader. So I had to look it up. Derrick Henry carried 36 times for 158 yards and three touchdowns when Alabama beat Clemson for the national championship in DJ Reader's final college game. But at the pro level, DJ's defenses have consistently shut Henry down. Now, DJ wasn't entirely right. Henry did have 109 yards in a game against Houston back in 2017, but in their nine NFL meetings, Henry has only averaged 51 yards per game and 3.9 yards per carry. More evidence that DJ Reader is one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. With Jacksonville upsetting Baltimore on Sunday, the Bengals and Ravens are now tied for first in the AFC North at 7-4. and four. The Bengals also moved up one spot on the AFC playoff totem pole. They are currently the sixth seed, and seven teams get in. Time to hear from head coach Zach Taylor, as Dave Lapham spent a few minutes with him in the locker room. That was one hell of a football game. I mean, uncharacteristically, you suffered a lot of penalties that, you know, you were kind of, instead of them stopping you, you were stopping yourself a little bit. I mean, you guys could have rolled a lot of points up on these guys, and that's hard to do. There were some critical penalties in the first half that really set us back, and um, that's what Tennessee's done a great job of, of pinning you deep, making you go to the whole length of the field. We, we certainly didn't help that cause at all, uh, but we still went into halftime feeling really confident about it being a 10-10 game despite losing the penalty battle, despite losing the field position battle. We knew things at some point would take a turn, and they did. You know, I thought they won the coin toss, and they decide, you know, we're going to defer. They get an opportunity to score at the end of the half. They missed the field goal. They come out to start the second half, three and out. I thought that sequence was really big in a close football game like this. Yeah, I think even though we didn't score after the three and out, we felt like we had some good momentum. We were able to pin them in there, I think, at the 10-yard line um, after that drive and then and then start to win the field position battle and start to push the points on the board. And um, So just really pleased with overall how our team played uh, winning football. I thought that uh, you were. They played very soft coverage on the on the perimeter. It looks like quite quite a bit. And you guys were very patient, took full advantage of it. And then at some point, they're tired of getting picked on, and then you're going to take your shots. And I mean, Joe was very patient, and then took his shots when they were there. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, that's that's how you have to against them. You know, that's why they don't give up big plays. That's why they've won, I think, seven of the last eight games. Um, that's their style: make you go to the length of the field, no big plays. Make you be patient, and unfortunately, we got a quarterback that's willing to do that. 
they don't give up many yards on the ground. I mean, they don't give up many yards per carry. You guys, it, it, the other thing they started doing, you know, pin and pull, some gap scheme stuff, mixing things up a little bit on them. Got that running game going a little bit too. I mean, Samaje was running hard, man. Yeah, we, we threw everything at him that we had. You know, I think Frank did a great job developing the run plan this week, and the guys believed in it. And, um, you know, th- this team's a, they're a premier run defense. And so you're going to have a couple zero or negatives, uh, maybe more than we're used to, but – uh, I thought that the run game allowed us to play on uh, play on on time today and on rhythm and allow us to do the passes that we wanted to. And so I was really pleased with that performance. What about stopping Derrick Henry again in the running game? I mean, three games in a row now. I mean, Derrick Henry has done really nothing compared to what he's done to everybody else. What is it about the Bengals and the formula you guys have? Our, our defense isn't afraid of anybody. You know, it's it's they're going to roll the ball out there. They got to play us. I think that's the attitude of our defense right now. And um, they had a performance that wasn't surprising to any of us. No turnovers in the football game, so it was one of those. Um, who's going to be better? You know, it's like no extra possessions for any anybody, and, and, and it was just a grinded out day. I mean, on the road to grind it out against a team that had won what seven out of their last eight games or whatever, um, and won the was the number one seed in the playoffs last year, and felt like, oh yeah, we'll show you. You know, you guys knocked the style of the playoffs. We'll show you. What, what does this win mean? It doesn't. It, it's just the next game for us. It's. Our team, again, has so much confidence right now and so much belief that we're doing things the right way. We're putting the work to be successful on Sunday. Um, that we're not paying attention to necessarily who the opponent is. It's whoever's on the schedule next. Um, yeah, they're a good team. they got to come see us. we got a really good team, too. And that's just the confidence we're operating with right now. It's funny. Uh, last year, you beat Tennessee on the road, and then you beat Kansas City. Now you've beaten Tennessee on the road. Now you have Kansas City, but it's at home. But it's the same, it's the same sequence. I mean, I, I know it's one game at a time. You want to be 1-0 as many many times as you can. But do you have any flashbacks at all as you're preparing for this stretch? No, every game, every year is so different. i, I got to look at their personnel. I don't even know what personnel they got this year. You know, so I'm sure there's there's a lot of new faces over there. we got some new faces, and so it's a totally different game. Speaking of new faces, a big thing. One quarterback sack on the day. Now, there was some pressure. Joe had the intentional grounding. But, I mean, overall, I thought the offensive line really handled things well. I thought they did a great job. You know, last year we felt how, how uh, physical and how much pressure this D-line can get on you. I thought this year our guys really stepped up and had the right attitude for this game. The two-time Tennessee high school player of the year, T. Higgins, comes back to the state of Tennessee and shows out. How big was that? Yeah, he, he, that's what he does. You know, when his number's called, he steps up and makes plays, and he made two on those last two drives that were just huge for us to get that win, and so really proud of the job T. did today. Coach, congratulations. Got your team uh, ready to play a big-time game on the road against a big-time opponent. Seven and four, nice. Yeah, it's a good feeling. <laughs> Appreciate you. All right, thank you. So it's a home game against the Chiefs next Sunday at 425, and CBS will send the A-team of Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Kansas City has the best record in the AFC at 9-2 and and will roll into town with a five-game winning streak. The Chiefs open as a three-point favorite. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL with 29 touchdown passes. Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are tied for second with 23. Now, time for the Radio Guys Recap. Lap, let's start with the job the Bengals did on Derrick Henry. I've been saying I haven't looked this up, but I'd like to know how many times he had 17 carries in a game and couldn't even get to 40 yards. That's amazing. I mean, honestly, it's three games now against Derrick Henry. They, they've been able to handle him. You know, he had the one the one screen got out on him, and got and, and unfortunately, you know, Marta, because his scrimmage yards would have been nothing as well, but that 70-yard reception that he had and then fumbled the ball, that'll, that'll um, you know, make his, his average – 
per touch in terms of scrimmage yards look a lot different, but on a snap-by-snap basis, man, the defensive line took control of the line of scrimmage. I thought Pratt and Wilson were confident, decisive, physical. I mean, I thought they brought the physicality to Derrick Henry instead of the other way around. I mean, it was it was really something to watch. And the defensive line really knocked their offensive line back consistently. They did, and sometimes they did it going through them. Sometimes they did it hitting the gap, penetrating linebackers same way. Um, and then on the flip side of it, I thought the Bengals' offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage on the other side of it much better than the Tennessee Titans did. Um, honestly, I mean, I thought for the most part they controlled the line of scrimmage pretty well. There's only one quarterback sack on the day. Um, Joe had the intentional grounding. There was some pressure there. There was some pressure. There's always going to be when you're throwing it uh, as, as many times as you throw it in, in any football game in the National Football League. There's going to be there's going to be some pressure. Um, but I thought, man, I thought the guys inside really, really did a good job. And I thought everybody did. I thought everybody played a, a more than sound football game. And I thought that was a big part of it. Uh, that's that's the way you. Uh, <laughs> That's the way you, you beat a football team. You, you, you give your skilled people an opportunity to perform, to show what they've got, you know, by handling things up front. Offensively, another huge day for T. Higgins. Seven catches for 114 yards. He was down on himself for dropping one in the red zone early in the game and, and kind of made it his mission to make up for it. Boy, did he ever. I mean, like you were saying during the game, two-time Tennessee High School Player of the Year, you know, comes back and uh, has his second consecutive 100-yard receiving day. I mean... You know, in the absence of Jamar Chase, somebody needs to step up, and he did. And then you got to feel good for Trent Irwin. You know, two weeks in a row making big plays. Uh, that was as, that was as good a catch, as good a body control exhibition, uh, you know, catches as you're going to want to see. I mean, he did he did a lot of things, a lot of things right on that play. Um, it's it's just rewarding to see guys that uh, you know do it the right way, work hard get an opportunity, and then capitalize on it by doing it right during the course of a football game. Samaj P. Ryan fits that description as well. 58 rushing yards and a touchdown, 35 receiving yards. He fills in for Joe Mixon and gives him 93 yards of offense. That's strong, you know, and I mean, I thought he was running better than Henry. I thought he was he was finding lanes a lot more decisively. Uh, I, I noticed hesitation in Derrick Henry running the football, which you don't see. You don't see that very often. And I, I thought uh, Samaje was very, very decisive and, 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 you know, just aggressive and downhill, squaring those shoulder pads up and fighting for extra yards. I mean, I thought he gave an incredible effort out there. He's going he's gonna to sleep well tonight. So I know you talked to quite a few people after the game. I talked to a few as well. The overwhelming sentiment I get is that they have a ton of respect for the Titans and for Mike Vrabel, and that makes beating them on their home field twice in 10 months incredibly satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you, you look at uh, last year they beat Kansas City twice in a month, in the same month. Now they beat Tennessee uh, at the end of the season in the playoffs, and then the, you're the man. Five beta kappa. <laughs> Alex Kappa walking by. And uh, um, and then to, to come to their place, you know, and, uh, and and get it done again, you know, like you said, less than a year later. And you can say all you want. Oh, it's not. A, I'm not saying it's a revenge game, but it's a game where, man, we were the number one seed and they knocked us out. It's a pride game is what it is. It's like, you know, every every professional athlete is extremely prideful. <laughs> 
and they didn't want to get beaten again. It's the last thing they wanted to do was have a team come into their place and beat them again. The Bengals did it. The Bengals did it without Mixon and, uh, and Jamar Chase. It's pretty strong when you think about it. It really is. I mean, it shows team. It shows this is a football team that has many ways they can win football games. I would think they'll definitely have Mixon back next week. Probably a decent chance they'll have Jamar back next week. And the timing is good with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs rolling into town. Man, I looked up, you know, some of the stats just to get a little bit ahead. And they're number one in everything offensively. I mean, it's, it's, if there's, there's not much. I don't think there's much of anything they're not number one in. And, you know, you look at it and you say, all right, well, geez, maybe they're better off not having that one big go-to receiver and just a few guys, a bunch of guys to go to. It, if you talk to Lou Anarumo, it might be harder to defend you got more places to go with the football. I mean, they may be a tougher offense to defend, which is almost incomprehensible. I mean, it, it, it's almost, when I say it out loud, it's almost stupid because the kid's such a, such a huge weapon. He's doing the job also down in Miami. But, I mean, Andy Reid, I've seen him for too long a period of time. Cam Taylor Britt, the hitter, man. But bring the, bring the wood. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I, I saw him do it in college. Um, with lesser players, you know, put together game plans that gave people problems and win football games that they shouldn't have won, and now he's got talent. That's a, a dangerous combo. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts interview where we get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with punter Drew Chrisman from Lawrenceburg, Indiana, just across the state line. Anybody who's made that drive has seen the big signs for fireworks. That's the family business, correct? Yep, that's it. Party at Trav's, the big red, white, and blue building right off the exit. So you've done some work for the family business, including recently, correct? Every year the whole family does work. Um, They got pictures of me. Um, in the womb, my mom's sitting there <laughs> leaning up against a, a pallet in the warehouse while craziness of the 4th of July is happening. So this is, it's since birth and will continue to be long after I'm done playing football, that's for sure. So this past 4th of July, you're in there helping customers, even though you're an NFL player. 100%. Yeah, it's it's all hands on deck that, that week leading up to the 4th. And no matter where our family's at, situation-wise, we, we know it's, it's crunch time for our family, and we, and we enjoy it. We really do. I was a minor league baseball broadcaster for many years. I've seen a lot of fireworks shows, so I'm kind of jaded to the whole thing. What about you? Do you still enjoy a great fireworks show? I do. Um, I've seen my fair share, as you would imagine. Um, I actually really don't get to celebrate the 4th. It, our 4th is really after the 4th because mm-hmm. we're a little too busy on the 4th of July. People are still coming in buying that last-minute mortar or um, artillery, artillery shell, so... Um, yeah, really, I, my 4th of July is after the 4th, but at, at this point in my fireworks life, I, I enjoy the, uh, the M80s and the little bottle rockets that I can go mm. blow some stuff up with. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong, a nice big breaking artillery shell is, is fun, and I try to emulate that with my foot as best as I can. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to tinker around and, and blow some stuff up. We're doing fun facts with Drew Chrisman. You're from Lawrenceburg, as I've mentioned, but you went to high school in Cincinnati at LaSalle. Was that for academics, athletics, or a combination? We had a couple buddies. I went to um, 
my grade school was St. Lawrence, and it was a small class and a couple buddies who were uh, going to go out up to Cincinnati for uh, high school, and they kind of just talked me into it. And uh, we're like, yeah, we'll try it. It sounds like a great opportunity. Nothing wrong with Lawrenceburg. My dad went to high school in Lawrenceburg. I think I would have had a great career there, but um, I think it worked out at LaSalle as well. So, I would say so. I've read that you started out as a quarterback mm-hmm. until you needed Tommy John surgery. Was that the case? Yeah, back in back in my prime, <laughs> when I was a real athlete. Um, yeah, no, I, I really did it all growing up playing playing sports. Um, I was, you know, punter obviously and kicker, quarterback, middle linebacker, safety if they needed it. I, I mean, I never came off the field. So mm-hmm. yeah, when I got to LaSalle, it's a little bit bigger pond, and you know, I, I started off as a quarterback and then got injured and then. Ended up just finding my way as a punter, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a big change, you know, being on the field every play, and then, you know, maybe once or twice a game with how our offense was running at LaSalle. I mean, we won uh, state back to back my junior senior year, and I punted one time in the state game, and we were, we were pretty dominant those years. So it was a little bit of getting used to, but I I don't think I would have been at Ohio State as a quarterback still. So how bad was the arm injury? It was good. I mean, I mean, Tommy John surgery. I'm sure you said you were a baseball broadcaster. You know all about that, and. Um, yeah, I was. We were playing. I think it was Moeller, and uh, stuck my arm out for a fumble. Guy landed on it, hyperextended, and tore that same tendon. And and then uh, I couldn't throw the rest of the season, but I was still able to punt. And that's kind of really when I started to develop my love for punting. So you still can throw a football. There's video evidence. <laughs> Big Ten championship game at Ohio State. You completed a 21-yard pass on a fake punt. Have you shown that video to Darren Simmons? <laughs> you might have seen it somewhere along the line, I'm sure, uh, scouting me out coming out of college. But, uh, yeah, I only got one opportunity in college. Um, it's funny that that same fake I threw, that was my, I believe, junior year. Uh, we practiced that same fake ever since freshman year uh, with Urban there. And then once Ryan Day got there, he finally – Felt comfortable enough to pull the trigger, and uh, in a big moment there, we were able to come through there. But, yeah, I still got it. That's that's for sure. <laughs> so you were the number one ranked punter in your recruiting class. Was Ohio State a no-brainer for you, or did you seriously consider several schools? I would say it was really the only one I had to work for. Um, I went on a couple visits there to get that uh, scholarship. A lot of the places that offered me just called me over the phone, and uh, but Ohio State, they really made me work for it, and so I don't know if that was – you know, what really made me fall in love. But uh, I was good friends with the kicker who uh, was there at the time. I, I trained with his uh, same kicking coach in Cincinnati uh, with Dick Seitz. That was our kicking coach. And uh, Sean Nurnberger was a kicker's name. And so I kind of had that connection. And, and uh, so I came up there, and he showed me around and showed me all the opportunities that you'll get out of Ohio State and what it opens the doors academically and just life afterwards. And I was like, yeah, after realizing that, it was kind of a no-brainer. What were some of the highlights of your entire Ohio State experience? Shoot. I mean, I have four gold pants. Uh, I know that's a big, <laughs> big conversation piece this week. Uh, so that's, that's obviously a highlight. Uh, I think I've got four Big Ten championships as well, playing in the national championship uh, my senior year during COVID. Um, I mean, there's just so many. But really, to top it off, uh, that's kind of when uh, <laughs> I was kind of – Fell in love with my wife in a way and uh, was able to propose to her on the Ohio State field. Uh, that's certainly – I'll get in trouble if I don't mention that as the <laughs> highlight, uh, at least on the field-wise. So, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of really good moments in college. 
and that proposal can also be seen on the internet. It was pretty clever on your part. You had mm -hmm. kind of a fake that your now wife was going to do a kick, so you were in the holder position, and then instead of putting the football down for the kick, you had the ring ready. Yeah, it was it was pretty smooth, smoother than probably I even expected. Um, it's kind of the peak of my career there for sure. And uh, yeah, she had no idea it was coming, and I was able to pull it off. And luckily, she said yes, or I might have been in the transfer portal the next day. <laughs> I might not have finished my career there at Ohio State. That would have been uh, pretty embarrassing. But yeah, luckily, she said yes, and kind of the rest is history now. You put a lot of our proposals to shame, so I'm glad my <laughs> wife had already said yes before uh, anybody could see that. So you signed with the Bengals last year, and in your rookie season, it was on and off the practice mm -hmm. squad quite a few times. You were actually on the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad briefly. What was the whole experience like? Was it difficult, or did you just kind of chalk that up to this is the way it goes when you're trying for one of 32 jobs? Yeah, I mean, I think I came into it not really knowing what I was getting into. And, you know, coming from college, you kind of have a stable job for the five years I was there. Kind of had a good routine, knew what was coming each week. And then, yeah, you really get it. I really got a taste of the NFL last year and just the uncertainty of what was going to happen that week. I remember there was a lot of Tuesdays last year. That's usually when they make the call to bring you on or not. And I'd be sitting there. I'd be mad if someone else called my phone that day because I'd be getting excited that I was going to get another opportunity somewhere. Um, but yeah, so it was it was a little bit of a roller coaster. And I think this year we we kind of just like kind of let go of all those expectations. Just kind of went into it like we're just going to take it a week at a time. See see what happens. Even last week when I kind of had a feeling that I was going to get the first start, um, you know, I really wasn't sure until they actually officially made it you know, official on Saturday just because of the roller coaster year I spent last year just not knowing anything until it's actually, you know, official. That's that's kind of how I've been treating things lately. So your debut would have been special under any circumstances, but Bengals, Steelers, the rivalry, it's something you're obviously familiar with. Did that add anything to it? I tried not to let it get to me too much, but you know, I knew obviously it's the first game, you know, you're gonna have nerves already and then you know you gotta think about you know how big of a game that is to the you know the franchise and the fan base and uh, but yeah I really try to just think of it as just another another game and and just go out there and let your training take over and, and do what you know what to do and uh, so you know you can kind of think about that afterwards but you don't want to think about that too much leading up to it or you're just getting getting your own head so uh, now it's starting to really soak in just kind of how cool a moment that was with you know everything. All right, a few wild card topics now for Drew Chrisman. You are a champion bottle flipper. <laughs> With a partially filled bottle of water, you can flip it, and it will land upright virtually every time. You tried to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. Did it work? Yeah, during COVID, they did a little thing where, because um, I've tried multiple times. I have many unofficial world bottle flip records, but to actually get in the book, you have to pay. I think I looked into it. It was like over five grand, and... As a college kid, I didn't I didn't have that kind of money. I would have been have to pony up to some donors to get that kind of cash. I don't know now. Maybe with the NIL deals, that might might have happened quicker. But while I was in college, we didn't have that. So um, during COVID, they did a little thing where you can uh, submit a video and, and that'll count as official. And uh, I was beat out by this uh, this kid who was flipping like a a miniature bottle, and he beat me in the most in a minute. And uh, so, but he was, I'll give it to him, his reaction of getting the, uh, 
the plaque was pretty priceless, so I'm happy for him. But, yeah, nothing technically official world record other than just knowing that I'm the best bottle flipper in the world. Or at least I was at one, one time. I haven't, uh, haven't dabbled too much recently. Obviously been a little more focused on flipping the field. But uh, it was, it was, I had a lot of fun doing that in college. You did sneak in a reference there to this person flipping a smaller bottle. Are you casting aspersions on his record? Nah, I mean, hey, whatever Guinness wants to go with, he can go with. But I, if someone was going to ask me to dispute it, you know, I think there would be two plaques, uh, one given for full size and half size. But I'll let him have his day. Who is your all-time favorite athlete in any sport and why? Really, we didn't watch too much uh, sports growing up and really – I was a big basketball fan growing up. That was kind of my first passion. And uh, the Dirty Bird, Larry Bird, he was uh, he was someone I always looked up to. At least my dad said I reminded a lot of him uh, watching him uh, growing up and uh, my play style. But uh, as far as football-wise, uh, Pat McAfee kind of comes to mind when I started transitioning uh, to a punter. I watched a lot of his tapes. He was fun. He was pretty electric and uh, had a great personality. But... Uh, I guess, yeah, best athlete, if I had to really say, I'd, I'd say Larry Bird uh, first was my first kind of true athlete that I looked up to in a way. So, Indiana guy. you got to yeah. go for an Indiana exactly. guy. What do you like to spend your money on? <sighs> Savings account right now. <laughs> uh, we got a uh, five-month-old daughter at home, so we are certainly planning for the future. Uh, I know they, there's all these stories of, like, uh, what you spend your first game check on and everything right now, and uh, I have a feeling we're just going to be putting that putting that away for some time, and especially with the uh, kind of how the world is right now, anything we can save for a rainy day, I think that's what we're going to go on. Um, we're pretty frugal. We try we try to live pretty frugally as much as we can. But uh, I know this Christmas, uh, we, my wife's already got a couple couple uh, presents downstairs. I'm sure she'll enjoy. So we we did we we did a little something special for this Christmas coming up. But yeah, really, I'm, we're pretty frugal. Yeah. First Christmas as a dad, that's going to be awesome. What's your favorite part about fatherhood so far? <sighs> Just, there's so much. I mean, you know, you, everyone tries to tell you what it's going to be like and gives you tips and everything. You don't really know what you're getting into until you actually do it. And, um, and just just coming home every day and she's at the point now where she really recognizes me and gives me a big old gummy smile when I walk through the door. And really nothing beats that after a good or bad day. I mean, that just brightens your mood. Um, my wife, she's been doing a lot of the work, <laughs> to be honest. I haven't had it too bad yet. Um, she's uh, kind enough to let me sleep at night. We're, we're breastfeeding, so she does a lot of work um, right now. But I'm sure once once she starts walking around and running, I'm going to get a lot more playtime in for sure. But, yeah, just coming home and seeing her smile, I mean, there's, there's nothing that beats that. Final thing for Drew Chrisman, and I appreciate your time. This is kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history – athlete, entertainer, statesman, whoever that person might be, who would it be? Well, I know recently um, there was one guy I've always met, been wanting to meet. It was uh, Ray Guy. He uh, hmm. passed away recently. It was someone I've always wanted to meet and kind of pick his brain on some things. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away recently. I think some illness he was fighting for a long time. So I think that would be someone I think it would be pretty, pretty cool to sit down with and just have a conversation how he you know, really changed the game at the, at this position so the goat in your position at least in terms of how much better he was than the rest of the guys in his time yeah no he certainly changed the game and he will go down as that for history so that's awesome this has been fun 
Greatly appreciate it. Best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Appreciate it for having me on. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and sign merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.